knows Kevin. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot. Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home. For the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros, we'll be talking a lot more college football and baseball again today. Our weekly interview with Koki Riley, and then we will continue to get reports from Raymond RP3 from Atlanta. Man, I kind of dismissed Mississippi State. According to Chrissy, that was a really bad mistake. Now, You know, the schedule that they have to play, as she put it, arguably the toughest schedule in the country, could could make that ascension a little, or talk of their ascension, uh, a little premature. We'll see how that plays out, but it, it just never seems to work. Well, they've just had some. I, I, I always thought Dan Mullen was just a, a bozo. I, I just game management nightmare in my opinion and never got the I never I mean I I guess I understand why Florida hired him but I never thought that was going to work out long term so while a lot of people were shocked I'm like this guy Dan Mullen he does stupid jokes I mean he would drive me crazy every time I watch him he does stupid jokes but um so was not surprised by that so we'll see how the whole Mike Leach is fascinating but I don't know I don't know if I trust him. We'll see. We'll talk more uh, to RP3 about that in the 10 o'clock hour. The All-Star game last night, uh, I mean, it started out with a bang and then kind of nothing after that. And um, kind of funny, the two pitchers, McClanahan from the Rays and Gonsolin from the, from the Punks, who led the league in – their respective league and ERA all year long. Um, they both got lit. And everybody else did great pitching-wise. Um, Framber pitching inning, got three ground balls. That's typical Framber. Uh, Icky did not look good again. I- Icky's been struggling at the plate. And Blum commented at one point over the weekend that perhaps the – adrenaline rush or whatever word he used of getting an all-star at bat could snap Icky back into it. I sure hope so because they need him to hit the ground running. Um, Obviously, he was facing really good pitchers in the all-star game, but he, um, he didn't look good again. And so we'll, you know, we'll see. Hopefully he can, you know, baseball is a thing. You never know when a, when a rough streak or a good streak is going to end and begin, but it, it needs to begin pretty quickly. Today's known by many as the most boring sports day of the year. Um, if I've ever watched the SPs, I, I, I can't tell you when. I have zero interest in that stuff, but um, less than zero. But... I will, uh, right now, just focusing on tomorrow, 
Uh, the Astros play a doubleheader against the Yankees, and then they got to go to Asia, and then they got to play the A's, who suddenly they can't beat the Oakland A's. I mean, how can you aspire to beat the Oakland A's? I mean, how do you get to that high of a level in life? I, I don't know. But Astros haven't been able to do it um, in recent weeks. And and then they play the Mariners again. So it's going to be pretty difficult these first, I think they got 12 games in the next 11 days after today. So it's um, it's going to be a challenge for sure. And then somewhere in the, that week and a half, it's very possible they could make a trade. And that, that always can spice things up. So lots to be focused on for sure. I also saw this morning that we are now 50 days from the start of the NFL season. 50 days, 50. So we're all cranked up and we're, and I, I've tried, I've relented, start talking about the NFL and we still got 50 days left. I'm going to do all this talking and, and I'm going to do it too. We're going to make predictions and we're going to talk about fantasy and many of us are going to be involved in fantasy drafts, but we still got 50 more days before they play a game. The waiting doesn't end for me is the point I've always tried to make. Like, oh, football season's here. Okay, we'll talk about football. But then you still got 50 more days. The waiting is just, it's almost like it's just begun all over again. Oh, man, they just never play a game in that sport ever. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Ah, didn't quite. Hang on. The, the, the game hotline is 706-0111. 7060111. Again, you can also watch a simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and on 133 on LUS Fiber. Again, the game hotline 7060111. This first segment is a good time to call. Uh, but, and there will be one segment, a couple segments in the next hour as well. Uh, later this hour, but again, around 9.15 and 10.15, we'll be doing um, interviews, so we won't be able to take calls at that time. Um, I know I've been extra. A lot of people have disagreed with me. Uh, when we got the news that Casper had quit, and I and 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 I started calling him Casper the Quitter instead of just Casper or formerly known as Casper the Game Management Nightmare Ghost. Um, just Casper the Quitter. It's more alliterative, and so I kind of like that a little better. Um, but but I, I don't know if you saw. You know, he made a comment, and his comment was very, you know, basic. But basically, he he said he's coming back like real soon, like probably next year. So you don't retire, and before the next season even starts, you're already talking about coming back if you didn't quit. I mean, I just, I don't understand. That's not a retirement. I, I don't get it. I don't get why everyone fell for this retirement thing with him. He, he never retired. He never intended on retiring. You don't do that that quick. I mean, he retired like Tom Brady retired, which was just silliness. So, um, 
I don't buy it. Now, I hope it comes back to help the Saints. And and you could certainly make the argument that it will. But he didn't retire. He quit. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. So, Foot, you changed a lot since he retired, huh? Because we, we tried to tell you that he would be back the next year with with a team, and you said there's no possible way the man the man just has enough. He's getting out, and it, it looked like you changed your tune a little bit, huh? Well, I mean, why would he just leave was my point. And now I'm realizing that he's just a quitter. He quit because he, he's always wanted to go to the Dallas Cowboys, and that's where oh, he's going to end up. I don't believe that. I don't we believe told that. you that from day one. I don't believe that. Well, I mean, okay, you don't, you don't believe it. He will be coaching somewhere next year. If, well, if it's not I, Dallas, it'll be somewhere. Well, yeah, and that's fine. And that that means he just that means he quit. I didn't buy that um, this retirement. Like, the, the, you know, once it once you know it started coming out that he really it, it became obvious that he just did this because uh, you know this is all a Bill Parcells thing. You know, Bill Parcells did the same thing. He has this stupid theory that you can't stay one place too long. Because then you lose your message or whatever. So um, he's just following in, in in his hero Stalin's path, and that's okay. I'll just I, I just hope it helps the Saints and they can take advantage of it, and uh, hope the Saints are no longer the Raiders of the NFL, and we can relinquish that, and I can go to Cleveland or whoever else wants that title, and they can uh, they 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 can um, get. You know, suffer the fiery darts of the NFL. Uh, it could work out great for the Saints, but he's a quitter. That's what he is. Oh yeah, now now, foot before right before the All Star break, uh, I, I I talked to you about it, and I want I want to hear what you have to say. Baseball has has is not baseball anymore. I mean, I know, like you said, yes, yeah, sometimes they figure they got to score two runs because of the run on second and everything. But I'm talking about the home team. In extra innings, get a run on second, and the and the the visitors do not score in the top of the inning, and they will not bunt that runner to third to try to score the winning run in extra innings. They're gonna still try to swing away and strike out and not advance the runner and stuff like that, and and we'll go to another inning. What? Where has Bunning gone in the game in Major League Baseball? Well, I mean, Bunning is gone, you know, with travel ball and, and, and all of that. I mean, they, people don't bunt anymore. So, you know, again, I've told the story before. I can remember that going back to the late 80s, early 90s, and 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 there were and I was covering a, a, um, a UL at UNO baseball game. And it would never happen now, but somehow back then I did it. Went down to the dugout, in, and during this long-range delay, talking to Coach Bo, and he was – and we were discussing slash arguing, do you have a better chance of getting that that see the way I look at it is you're not re- you don't really once you, if you have a runner on second and no outs, you have a better you have a better chance to score if you bunt. But the but what Coach Bo was arguing back then and what people what baseball people are arguing now is that you don't that you have a better chance of trying to get a hit 
to get that runner home from second, then you do bunting. I just don't believe that. But now, 30-something, like 30 years later, I think you do because fewer people know how to bunt, so I think it's a better argument now. Yeah, well, well, I can tell you right now, I was watching the Braves, and they were the home team, and they went 12 innings, and in the 10th and the 11th inning, after a strikeout, the next batter hit a deep fly ball, which would have scored the winning run in each inning. And all they did is advance him to third, and, and then the next one made an out. So they went to the, another inning. So and and, and, and you're correct. If they advance him to third. You're correct. But one thing you have to keep in mind, the pitch that the pitcher would have thrown is different with a runner on second than it is with a runner on third. In other words, that he, he got that fly ball, but you don't know if he'd have gotten that pitch and been able to hit that fly ball if, the, if they had advanced a runner to third. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. yeah. So, well, got to keep that in well, mind as well. But yeah. no, I, I, I'm with you. Believe me. But I, I'm just saying, I, I, I don't agree with it. But I understand more why they do what they do. But it still drives me crazy. It just hit a ground ball to the right side. Oh, exactly. Stupid. Yeah. And I, I heard some good news on Sports Center this morning. Uh, the ground had a setback. I mean, I, I know Mets fans can't be too surprised at that. I mean. The guy hasn't pitched in two years, and and they all excited for him to come back. And then he had a little setback, and his 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 start time is going to be delayed. Yep. Well, we'll so, see how that yeah. works out. All right, all right thanks. There. All right, one more call, then we got to get to our first time out. Hello. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Hey, yeah. So, Peyton, did Peyton retire? Or he took a, a a leave of absence, basically. Well, essentially, that's what he took. Basically, he wanted he wanted to, um, you know, have a year to do nothing. Which how many of us would love to do that in our lives? We would love to be able to just we're kind of burnt out, and so we want to take a year away and then come back. And essentially, because he's highly paid, he can afford it, and he's going to get money for doing TV. He's in a point. Uh, where he could do that. So he quit because I think he was so, say, burnout. And I don't think he wanted the challenge of, um, you know, not having a Hall of Fame quarterback, which is kind of gutless and spineless to me. Oh, stop that, Kevin. Casper the quitter. That. Now you really, you, you're going overboard with No, that that's man. what it is. It's, it's I like. Man, I don't even root for the Saints, but Jesus Christ. You don't agree? Now, if he what did he do? If he were to come back, would you want him? coaching the Saints? Well, definitely. Well, I didn't want him to leave. I didn't want him to leave, but that's what he did. That's what he so, – so you – so let me ask you this. If Drew Brees was still in his prime and still the quarterback of the Saints, you think he'd still be the coach of the Saints? If he was burnt out, as he said, I'd say, I'd say he would still take the lead. I think he would still be here. But again, yeah, we don't know because, that. We're just guessing. Keep in mind, it's not like Drew Brees, Drew Brees was setting um, the world ablaze in his last couple of years, from what Saints fans have told me. Well, or they are. You need to remind. No, you need. Yeah, you need to remind some other people of that. But I'm with you on that. Yeah. No, but but if he comes back, you know, and like you said, a man's able to take that leave. You know, not all people are afforded that 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 luxury or that comfort, but. Dude, why the heck not? If you can sit back and you know kick back and sit back and look at things from a different uh, through different lens and say, well, I'll come back when I'm ready. 
why not? Oh, I, you know, it, 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 it's kind of like the lift tour. It's it's his right to do it. He can do it. But, I mean, you know, I, I just I – I, I just – after what I went through the last two years, for him to just sell out and move and go on, I mean, he's a quitter. That's what he is in my mind. So, oh, well, go quit. But you would go take quit. quitter back quick, fast, and in a hurry. But I, I'd take him back, yeah. I think he's a good coach. But I also think he could help the Saints. I also think it could help the Saints tremendously. Like I said yesterday, one, that you know they're going to get draft picks, which could help. And two, it he might be the reason why the NFL hates us so much, and I think it's a very good chance that it is. So the Saints might not be the bad guy in the eyes of the NFL anymore, which could pay dividends down the road. So, so when if he comes back or when he comes back, the Saints get compensation for that. Yeah. Yes, sir. Because he's still okay. under contract. Oh, so he's uh, because he quit. Because he quit. But they're not paying. I'm sorry. Did they? Are they still paying him? The Saints. Well, I would think they're. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, let me think. I, I don't. I don't think that they are. I don't think that they are. But he's still under contract. But I, I, I'm not 100 percent about how that works. I'm sure they had okay. some sort of package. But but no, the Saints will get uh, draft picks for sure. Okay, okay. All Which right, I'm Kevin. good for. Have a good one. Thank you. The man just said, oh, I'm burnt out. I mean, again, it's nice. If you can get it, I guess do it. But it still is what it is. The going got tough. And the man quit. Take a timeout. We'll come back, shift gears, go back talking college baseball and, and football with Cokie Riley next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you about Astro Getaway 3. Astros will be playing the Seattle Mariners Saturday, July the 30th. Today. It's the last day to register, so you want to do it. That's going to be a hot ticket, a way hotter ticket uh, in the minds of, of many people um, than when we first started this giveaway. But, again, you can't win if you don't register at the game clubhouse. And if you do, you could win four tickets to Astro Mariner Game Hotel Accommodations and a tour of Minute Maid Park, Astro Getaway Weekends, powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston downtown and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right, we have with us Mr. Cokie Riley. How are you, sir? Doing really well. Thanks for having me on again, Kevin. All right, so the draft has come and gone, three days of it. Um, and when you're a program like LSU and you sign some highly high-profile players, you can't expect to get all of them back, but it seemed – like LSU came out of this pretty good, right? Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. Um, they lost 
a lot of names compared to most of their teams in, in their signing classes, but LSU had such a good signing class that even when you lose six guys, six guys or potentially lose six guys, then um, uh, it, then you have a really good shot at you're, you're still bringing in a lot of very, very talented players because you got guys like Brady Neal and Gavin Gidry and Jaden New, guys who would be the headlines of, I don't know, 90, 85, 90% of classes, other classes in the nation, and they're towards, you know, they're, they're, they're your sixth, seventh, eighth best um, recruits. So, uh, yeah, they were probably never going to have Justin Crawford and Robbie Stelling and Tucker Toman and a few other of these guys, but those guys were probably never going to be on campus for them. But um, to get a Brady Neal, um, who announced last night that he's come to LSU, to get a Gavin Guidry, uh, to likely get a Jaden Newt to to definitely have a Paxton Kling and a Chase Shores on your team for next season and beyond, that's that's really really encouraging. So, and I mean, you know, we don't know what they were thinking, but so do you think they it it, it went about like the co- exactly what the coaches thought, or like did they come out like one or two ahead of what they were fearing? Um. Well, we had a bit of an idea, actually, as to uh, how many guys were leaving and how many guys were kind of on the fence. Uh, Jay Johnson said last month that four guys were almost definitely gone, if not definitely gone, and there were five or six he thought were on the fence. It was 50-50. So I, I, I think if you were an LSU fan, you were racing for up to 10, but at least four. So it was somewhere in that range. And I, I think six guys who were drafted uh, over the last few days are likely gone, if not definitely gone. Um, uh, I think Michael Kennedy was picked in the fourth round by the Pirates is probably the last of that six. And then there were two others, uh, Jaden Newt and, and Brady Neal, who I already mentioned. Um, they were they were both selected yesterday in the very later rounds, by the, both by the Brewers. Um, and I don't think I, I would be pretty surprised if either if the Brewers had had enough scratch to sign um, Newt, and they're de- they're already not they're not signing Neil because Neil already said that he's coming to LSU officially. Um, so I, yeah, so yeah, it's um, it, it's so really it ended up being six instead of ten. So I, I mean, the fact that it's a lower number is just is a success alone, let alone. The fact that they're getting Neil and they're probably getting Jared Jones, the other uh, top highly recruited, highly ranked prospect at catcher. Um, uh, those are two guys that I thought had a very good chance of going to Major League Baseball just, just because of the stature that they had uh, heading into the draft as prospects. All right. So the minor league, Do you? I don't know that anybody can know the answer to this, but I'm wondering if you're one of these top guys that we were just discussing, the minor, you know, Major League Baseball used the pandemic to limit the amount of teams in the minor leagues and limit the amount of players and limited the amount of rounds in the minor leagues. And the minor league baseball is trying to get increased pay and they've got some increased pay. And that's a big battle going on right now. So what I'm asking is, I'm wondering, with everything going on the way the minor leagues are going, is it more attractive or less attractive 
um, if you're one of these players, in other words, to increase your incentive to go ahead and go to pro baseball? With a, with a smaller pool, does that give you more of a chance, or does that make – I'm just trying to gauge all that. Do you have your finger on that? Um, that's a very good question and a very tricky question. Yeah. I think a lot of it just has to depend on what your situation is, right? Um, I think if you're a high school kid, you can be pickier because since there's, I, I, I just feel like college baseball becomes even more of an incentive and, and it becomes less, you just don't have to force it as much if you're someone like, for example, Brady Neal. Like if you're Brady Neal and you're not getting the money that you want to see in the first four rounds of the draft, you can be like, all right, I can go to LSU for three seasons, really show my worth, and then then I, I'll really show them what I'm, what, that I'm actually worth this amount of money. And LSU isn't like a bad alternative. I mean, it's one of the best programs in the nation, and, they have a pretty, and they'll probably have a pretty good NIL package for me, um, for example. But if you're someone like, say, Bryce Collins or even Gavin Dugas or Braden Jobert and you're draft eligible – um, and you're looking at some of the packages these teams are showing you in the 12th, 13th, 14th round, you're like, all right, I can go back to LSU next season, sort of show my worth for one more year, um, and, and maybe bump up that package and, and be more than just, uh, as Jay Johnson described it, a player who just plays catch for the prospects and actually be one of those, instead actually be one of those real prospects for teams. Um, I think it kind of just, a lot of it just simply comes down to the money, and I, I think the change of circumstances with less teams and um, uh, and the fact that the, just the, the just the the wages in minor league baseball just haven't gone up to the rate that they should be at. Um, uh, that's a whole other conversation for another day. I feel like, uh, but I, I think at the bottom line, the fact that there just isn't a lot of money and there isn't as many teams in minor league baseball kind of makes college baseball. In a program like LSU, a little bit more palatable for for not just the high schoolers, uh, but also for some of these college players that can return. You know, I, one of the things I love doing and is every once in a while a player's name will come up, and and I'll look back at one of these drafts. And I was having a conversation with someone at work yesterday, and. They said, well, the draft just seems so much more scientific and there's a whole lot uh, more hits now than there used to be. So I went back to like 15 and 16 and, you know, you still had a ton of misses and you still have the Ty Francis of the world who were drafted in the 38th round, which doesn't even exist, who's now like an all-star level player. So, I mean, it's never going to be anywhere near what it is even like at the NFL level where the, you know, I still think the vast majority of first rounds make teams and, and contribute a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I mean, drafting in general is just always going to be slippery slope, no matter how scientific we get with it. Um, I mean, if you look at the first 10 picks of the, of the 2016 draft that you, you just mentioned it briefly, oh, there's a lot of guys who just never figured it out. I mean, very uh, maybe one or two of those guys ever became have become real major league players, and I mean that draft was six years ago. And yeah, you it's crazy. Probably find out by now, right? Yeah. Um, so it's it's really interesting. I mean, Mikey Mickey Moniak was the first pick that year, yes. and usually a, a, a guy who doesn't have that much success in the majors at, at this point would be like the worst player in that top ten or one of the worst players. And he's, I mean, there's a bunch of guys that are kind of joining him with him. No offense to those gentlemen, but 
um, it's, it, it, I think it just comes to show you that the draft is, it, it's just such, it, it's kind of a crapshoot, especially when you're dealing with high school kids and trying to project them what they're going to look like four or five years down the road. All right, before I want to ask you one baseball question before we uh, ask you some general thoughts about SEC football media days, if, if, if you had any thoughts on that. But what are the chances that your Boston Red Sox are going to trade for Juan Soto? I would say close to zero. Why? Um, that's just, I, why? I, I just feel like that's just not what – Heim Bloom does, and at least not at this point. I mean, they they are very patient in approach in their approach. Um, they never overpay one cent for a guy, whether it's on the trade market or in free agency. They're, they 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 don't like to do those all in. We're going to go for the title sort of moves. It's always everything is very calculated with that front office, and you can appreciate that to a degree because it's kind of the, the opposite of what Dave Dombrowski did in his tenure for the Red Sox. But and yeah, the Red Sox probably do have the scratch when it comes to minor leaguers, at least according to BaseballTradeValues.com. And I really, I, I really do trust the sort of the evaluation those guys do online. It, it's a very helpful website if you want to sort of look into these things. Um, but I, I, I just. No, it's just not in Heimbloom's nature, and the roster isn't at the point, to be honest, where they should be doing stuff like that anyway. So um, it is an interesting question, though, because you want how many how many players in sports are are, are as valuable as Juan Soto when it comes to you know uh, being available to be traded? Like even someone like Kevin Durant, he's 34 years old, and Juan Soto's 23, and he's one of the what 10 best players in baseball. It's you could argue, he's the, yeah, it's it's incredible. He's available via trade, right now. But, uh, but my point is, JD Martinez isn't going to be there that long. Bogart's probably not going to be there. You got to have some stars. I mean, you're the Boston Red Sox. Like, yeah, look forward two you years from now. Point. Who who are you going to have on your team? It, it's a, it's a fair point. I I I totally agree with you, but I I just don't. I, it just they're not in the. It's it's just not something that Bloom would would do because it would take. Bloom loves his prospects, and um, in order for him to trade significant ones like a Marcelo Mayer, it would have to make sense within the timeline of the team, and there would need to be other prospects that could supplement supplement them moving forward. Because if they made this trade, unless they brought in like Strasburg's contract or something like that, they would be totally re- gutting out their entire farm system, something they've been working very hard on the last two years. So I I, I just don't. I, I don't think they're willing to make that sacrifice. But you do make a good point that they sort of have a stars problem moving forward because of all these contracts that are coming up. A, so, absolutely. All right. Does anything, again, did anything you hear from SEC Football Media Day strike you as, well, that's, that was really interesting. I didn't think about that. Do you want to be? Do you want me to be totally honest with yeah, you, Kevin? Yes. I Nothing. And maybe <laughs> that's honestly, kind of the point I, I, I was getting to. Yeah, yeah, because I I, I, I wouldn't say the whole SC media days have been useless for LSU. That might be a little bit too strong, but I, I there was nothing that was said that I didn't know already or thought that would be the case already. You know, because I just I, I there were I thought Brian Kelly said some kind of pretty funny things up at the podium. Um, and uh, I thought Greg Sankey maybe 
I thought it was kind of interesting. Greg Sankey was willing to um, totally admit that, you know, Texas and Oklahoma are better programs to bring into your conference than USC and UCLA. But really, outside of those two things, maybe a couple other things, I, there was nothing that was particularly interesting to me just because, I mean, part of it's because we just cover LSU every single day and we, we kind of know the answers to a lot of these more general questions, especially when it comes to, like, the quarterbacks, for example. And we, and we know nothing has changed since spring or nothing much has changed since spring just because, you know, they haven't been practicing since spring. But, um, yeah, it's, there was nothing that really popped out to me from LSU's perspective, at the very least, when it comes to the immediate days. All righty, sir. Well, we appreciate your time as always. We'll, um, we'll, um, you know, the next few weeks from a Major League Baseball perspective will be interesting college-wise. It'll be, a, you know, building up towards uh, the start of college football, which is not that far away. So uh, we'll have plenty to talk about uh, over the next few weeks. Again, I appreciate your time very much. Have a nice day. Awesome, awesome. Thanks so much for having me on again, Kevin. All right, Koki Riley from the USA Today Network. And he, look, he, look, I, we like honesty. I mean, it's, um, it is what it is. A lot of people are interested in what the Vanderbilt coach said, but I think that's just like some of that pie. Vanderbilt, the best program in the country. I think that word best um, can have a lot of different meanings. And so, um, you know, it's one of those um, political words that you can use and then you can justify it by having some off-the-wall meaning for what best means. All right, that'll do it for this segment. We'll take a timeout, come back, cover a little more Major League Baseball draft details when we come back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Benedict Arnold's. Benedict Arnold's. Now, an NFL expansion team that stole a bunch of Saints players and coaches when first created, also known as the Carolina Panthers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers. And the Houston Astros want to remind you the game would like for you to win an Apple Watch. And it's real easy to do. All you have to do is join our brand new text club. Simply text GAME to 283-8100. Text GAME to 283 283- 8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win an Apple Watch plus a lot of all kind of other prizes like Astro tickets. It's the Game Text Club. Find out more 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. All right. The Major League Draft with the Cajuns. Bo Bonds was drafted 13th round yesterday by the Blue Jays. For those of you who don't remember, Bo Bonds suffered an injury. On the last pitch he threw in the in in College Station at the NCAA Regional, and had to have surgery. 
Tommy John surgery, was not going to pitch at all next year, or was a real, 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 real long shot to pitch at all next year. So a lot of us thought, well, wondered, you know, are they going to draft someone who's injured? Well, the Blue Jays liked him so much that they did. And basically what he's going to do is go, and he's decided to, to go, take the offer, and he's going to rehab or do his rehab at a major league facility and, and, and have access to their trainers, et cetera. So could work out for him. Look, this guy, he struck out, I think he was 80-something batter, 83 batters in 50-something innings. I mean, you know, he, you, he, has, he has the kind of stuff that you could see him being a, a, a major league pitcher maybe one day. So you can see what the Blue Jays see in him. And Tommy John is at the point now where it's it's not this, you know, it's not a surgery that anybody, well, are they going to be able to come back from it? it? It's getting to be, it's pretty routine now. And so guys come back from it all the time. And look at 39-year-old Justin Verlander's doing. Um, and so he will not be back, but he wasn't going to pitch with the Cajuns next year anyway because of his injury. Uh, Tyler Robertson was picked one round later by the Padres in the 14th round. And kind of reading between the lines, talking to Tyler yesterday, uh, he gave me a list of teams that well, he was discussing with, and one of them was the Dodgers, and it seemed like this is the thing that the Dodgers would they, – they were discussing with him, picking him on day two, which would have meant probably ninth or tenth round, but wanted him to – to take less money, and, you know, according to Tyler, he actually got a little bit more money in an offer, a little bit higher offer from the Padres in the 14th round than he was going to get from other teams, including perhaps I'm speculating the Dodgers, um, you know, at the end of the day two draft. Uh, he Tyler stopped short of saying that he was had decided to leave. It sounded like he was going to take a couple days, but – I don't know. It sounded like he that it was a real possibility. And so we'll, Cajun baseball fans will kind of hold their breath there. Uh, Caleb Stelly was a high school player from Parkview Baptist in Baton Rouge. He was getting calls in like the fifth round. Teams were willing to take him if he told them that he wasn't going to college. But he told them he was going to college. So the Cajuns were very happy about that. But that shows you the talent level that Caleb Stelly has kid who hit 459 this past year at Parkview Baptist in Baton Rouge and Julian Brock was not taken and I you know again I when I watched the Cajuns this year if you told me there's you have to pick one player who one day is going to play in the major leagues I'd I'd pick Julian Brock doesn't mean I'm going to be right could be Tyler Robertson could be Bo Bonds who knows but Julian Brock just looked like a big league player to me watching him play this year and and but it was his first year kind of on the scene and hopefully his stock will rise that's certainly what Julian's hoping and he's a great young man really he, you know there's not too many where you oh that guy's a bad guy but he seems like a really good guy I enjoy talking to him seems to have the right approach um that where he can make a climb and the Cajun fans are certainly ecstatic to get him back next year all right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Foot. Good morning, sir. 
Why, why, why you want to get a Red Sox fan uh, all excited this morning, huh? Why you, 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 talking, you talking about? I don't want no part of Juan Soto, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because what you would have to give up to get the man is just extraordinary. I mean, you'd pretty much have to deplete your whole team. I mean, you're looking at probably having to give up uh, Bogarts. You'd have to give up Davies. But you're well, losing you Bogarts then, anyway. Pretty but, much your whole farm system, and then you have to pay the man. Well, so what? Ta- what talent are you left with to surround him with? You know what I'm saying? I mean, he'd be the the only player we'd have, you know? And J.D. Martinez hadn't been J.D. Martinez the last two or three seasons, you know? I mean, he's kind of having a – I don't know how he made the All-Star game. I guess they just couldn't find nobody else. Well, they had a – yeah, uh, he's still hitting over 300. But, 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 but again, in two years, who are you going to have on your team? I understand that part, but we got a good uh, form system that maybe we can get some talent out of. Uh, now, if we can trade away that first baseman, we got maybe. I mean, but we're gonna have to. You, you're gonna a team's gonna have to give up a, a lot to get that man. I mean, he's young, like you said. He's probably one of the best hitters in uh in in baseball right now. Uh, but uh, I mean, it would be nice to get him, but it's just what would you have to give up to get the man? You know. Look, I just don't want him to go to um, the Yankees, and I don't want him to go to the Rangers. Like the Rangers are will, the Rangers are trying. They're under the radar. Look at all the money they spent in the off season. They got that Seager is good, and they signed him to this. They overpaid for him, but they got him. And I know everyone was laughing at Marcus Simeon because he got off to a slow start, but he's still a good player. He's hot right now. I mean, I'm worried the Rangers are going to try to just throw a bunch of money at him. I got a question for you, Foot, and I want you to I want you to answer it honestly, okay? Okay. Why Why do you think that Sean Payton won't is not going to the Dallas Cowboys? Because, I think that's where he's going to end up next year. Well, because they have, so say, a weak head coach, I understand why some people would say it because Sean Payton is a control freak. And the, and the head coach of the Cowboys is a puppet. Why would a control freak want to go to a puppet situation? I mean, he might have a change of heart, but he I, I, I don't see how he, he gave he quit on the New Orleans Saints. He retired, huh? He did not retire. I don't. He 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 took I, a break because he was so say burnt out. He did not retire. You don't I retire mean, uh, and come back a week later, a, a year later. That's not a retirement. That's uh, I got a lot of money, so I can afford to take a break. All of us would love to do that, but we can't do it. For us, it's called right. one or two week vacations. For for, yeah, for people that make that kind of money, they can take a year off because they got some. They got a way to supplement their, you know, to make money elsewhere. Most of us don't have right. that luxury. That's called quitting. You know what, what? Where he was on his vacation, huh? Who's that? Where is that? He was he was on Jerry Jones's yacht, man. Oh, I mean, it's yeah. only a matter of time. He's gonna, be, he's gonna be coaching them Cowboys next year, man. Well, he tell me to keep dreaming. Well, most of my dreams uh, come true. I don't know about you, but uh, I'll keep dreaming if they all come true. You know, I mean, but I think he's gonna be Dallas's head coach. Well, how much as a Cowboy a fan? How much you've been dreaming? You've been dreaming about Super Bowls for a long time. When is that gonna come true? Touche. All I right. Give you that one. All I right. Give you that. All I mean, right. But 
uh, I think this is um, McCarthy's last year as Dallas' head coach. I mean, well, we'll he's see. You got it. Not uh, if they do well. All right. Take care. Thank you. All right. We'll take a timeout. I couldn't resist there. I mean, he kind of set himself up for that one. Take a timeout. We'll be back. Finish out the first hour next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Want to remind you, we were talking about the text club. This is a great example. If you would like to see Burt Kreischer, comedian, at the Cajun Dome on September the 16th. All you have to do to put yourself in position to win that, to score tickets to that event is to join the game's text club by texting BERT, B-E-R-T, text BERT to 283-8100, text BERT, B-E-R-T, to 283-8100. You might win tickets to see BERT Kreischer live at the Cajun Dome courtesy of the game's text club. All right. We are, um, you know, again, Sean Payton, Casper to quitter. He's, uh, some people are blowing his comment up bigger than, than it, what he said. I mean, what he said was pretty basic stuff, but basically he said he's coming back soon. So when you, I still don't get how that's a retirement. You say, okay, I retire, and then a couple months later you say, well, I'm coming back soon. That's not retiring. That's just, I I just don't know why people think that's a retirement. I will never understand that. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It could work out very well for the Saints, and I'm looking forward to to it working out for the Saints. I just don't want to hear about this retirement word because I ain't buying it. Not buying it for a second. And, uh, and and because he's so highly respected, the Saints are going to be undervalued, which is fine. You want to you want to sneak up from behind, and that's what um, hopefully the Saints can do if they can ser- somehow stay healthy. That'll do it for this hour, another hour to follow on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the gay 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can watch a simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706 0111706-0111 on this Wednesday after the All-Star game known by many people for many years as the most boring, worst sports day of the entire year, which is why the ESPYs many years ago decided to schedule the, the concept of the ESPYs on this day. But again, football, you know, it's such a 365 sport 
I don't know that that stuff applies anymore. And, you know, it's not like baseball is not going on. You got baseball news left and right as uh, Astro fans and Yankee fans here and around the country. Brace for tomorrow's very interesting doubleheader. Uh, this is a product of the lockout. Um, you know, it's not good. Uh, the Astros, the good news is they have three days in a row where their relief pitchers didn't pit. Their bullpen didn't have to be used. But then, you know, you figure you're going to have to work your bullpen. Doubleheaders are not good for bullpens. And then you got to fly to Asia tomorrow night and, uh, and, and take on the hottest team in, in Major League Baseball. So we'll see how, hopefully, uh, Julio Rodriguez has a little bit of a, of a uh, hangover from his home run derby. We'll see how all that plays out. Um, Ian Rappaport is a guy that we've kind of joked about and how he doesn't get stuff right. <clears throat> was it J.K. Dobbins? Someone from the Ravens, I think that's what it was, really called him out recently uh, and that a report that he gave was, was dead wrong. But Ian Rappaport, is reporting two things here that, you know, Saints fans are certainly hoping are true. One of them is that he says that there is some optimism that Michael Thomas, Plastic Man, will be cleared, fully cleared to participate early in training camp. Now, on one hand, Um, I, I'm going through my mind are the words, well, I guess so. The cat's been, he hadn't played in two years. Technically he has, but in effect, he hasn't played in two years. Um, he better be healthy. I think a lot of Saints fans are thinking that, but you know, they, they've been very suspiciously cautious every time anybody talks about him. Um, I guess trying to undersell it in case something crazy happens. But Saints fans certainly hope that's the case, obviously. Um, I, I think the national media, I guess the national media is it doubts that. That's why they, in Las Vegas, that's why they think the Saints are certainly going to have the worst season in, in 20 years. Like, why does anyone think that? I I, I don't I don't understand it. I, I just I don't understand it. Um, it's amazing to me, really. You you won nine games last year in the most injured season in the franchise's history. Not only do you expect to get all those people back, but you've added some talent to it. And you're going to get worse? I, I just, I don't understand what people are thinking. But I guess part of it is that they think Sean Payton's one of the greatest coaches of all time. And how could you possibly win without a quitter on your team? I don't know. But uh, the other thing is, um, I guess they feel like Michael Thomas is not going to be ready. The other thing that that Ian Rappaport reported is that it's, it is quote, unquote, all positive for Jameis Winston being fully healthy at the start of training camp. Uh, could he re-injure himself? Yeah, 
anybody can get hurt. But we talked to, uh, about it again yesterday. I think part of the, I think I'm just speculating because I don't understand it, that part of the reason why so many, another part of the reason why so many people are so negative about the Saints' prospects this season is because, one, they think some kind of combination of Winston being injured, immature, or not talented. I, I totally um, don't agree with the second two of those, the back two of those, but I guess it, you can always be worried about someone being injured, especially when they're coming off of a season-ending knee injury. So we will see how that plays out. But two positive reports anyway coming out of Saints uh, camp, even though, you know, it's kind of a dead period for the NFL, and and, and you hope that's the case. Now, we'll be talking about this in about three weeks, but or two or three weeks. I mean, I, I don't need to see Jameis play in a preseason game. or they, I guess they're going to put him out there just because, you know, he's got new teammates and he's still a, in this system, still relatively new in it, and – I don't know. They're probably are going to play him. I'm just, I'm so anti preseason the older I get. And, and, and it's like, man, especially with how gun shy Saints fans are with all of these injuries they've had the last few years. Uh, I would think Michael Thomas wouldn't play in a preseason game, but maybe they will. It'll be interesting to see how they, how they do, how they deal with that and how they, uh, maybe they'll play a quarter. I guess you can't play scared forever. You got to go and play, and I don't know. Scary. I mean, uh, I I, I don't want to think about how crushing that would be. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Floyd. Uh, we got so I got so caught up in talking about my Red Sox. Uh, I forgot to actually I had a couple more questions for you. What you thought of them uh, hideous uh, All Star jerseys last night, huh? Uh, and I mean, you know, you know me, I'm, I'm for white at home and gray on the road, but, but I, I didn't think I've seen worse or I've seen worse uniforms than that. I think most of the city connect uniforms are way worse than what they wore last night. I didn't think they were that bad. Oh, uh, they, they were too much, too close to saints colors. That's why I didn't like, <laughs> it too much, you know, but, uh, now another question, uh, are you going to be watching the SPs tonight? Oh, no chance. Do you? You don't watch the ESPYs? If I've ever seen the ESPYs, I don't remember. But, no, I have zero. I will not watch the ESPYs. No, not for a second. Because uh, they did a uh, – I was watching SportsCenter last night, and they did a little um, a little documentary. They got an award for the Stuart Scott Award or whatever for uh, excellence and achievement or, or something like that. And the guy that's going to be receiving it this year is one of my favorite uh, – basketball players all the time and that's uh the Kimbe Mutombo and uh they did a little documentary on his on his life or whatever I didn't even know he went to Georgetown with uh with uh what's his name uh Silas Bill Silas or whatever uh and he was actually going to Georgetown to become a doctor um but uh he did all kind of work back uh in his homeland where he's from and all kind of stuff and uh Build all kind of hospitals and stuff, but I thought it was a, it was a pretty interesting. Uh, no, that that that, that sounds up. cool. I, I've all you know the whole shaking the finger thing. I've always thought was funny, so I, I, I'm good with yeah. the Kimbe Mutombo for sure. Yeah, he was interesting. Uh, 
Stuart Scott was my favorite announcer on ESPN of all times, man. Uh, I think he was, and, and a little interesting fact, he was the only one that called the Kimbe Mutombo by his his full name. He has like five or six names that, uh, but uh, Stuart Scott was the only one to call him by all his names when he did uh, highlights of him. But uh, but yeah, I just wanted to get get those few uh, questions in for all you. All right, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, oh, one more thing, one more thing. Uh, I stopped dreaming about Super Bowls a long time ago, so that's why that dream ain't coming true. Okay. But I have a good one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't resist. I mean, uh, you know, the man, the man set himself up for that one. I saw a, a thing the other day on on Facebook where it says that in the last 25 years, the Raven, not the Raven, the Jacksonville Jaguars have more playoff wins than the Cowboys. Hopefully, that continues again this year. We will see. Again, you didn't want to, you didn't want me to be a cowboy hater. Don't hire Stalin. I mean, that was a mortal sin. You just can't do it. Uh, I was um, not a cowboy hater until they hired Stalin, and then I'm like, well, I'm done. That, 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 that's that's about as low as you can go. Other than maybe hiring George Allen, that's about or or Joe Gibbs. It's about as low as you can go as a franchise to hire Stalin as your head coach. That is awful. And um, now again, I'm not talking about the quality of the coach. That's that's like that's your division rival. I mean, you were in the same division as that guy forever. You can't hire that guy to be your coach. That is awful. So no, I I um, wash my hands and feet of Morton's little cowboys when that happened for sure. All right. Let's do this. We'll take a timeout, and when we come back, we will revisit our old friend RP3 from Atlanta, College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, to talk day three of SEC Media Days. We'll do that, do that after this timeout on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. That was the game's SEC Media Days report presented by Borderline Furniture and Rope Soap and Dope. Welcome back to Footnotes. Uh, I think, is, is, is what's happening ha- really happening? I think it is. I, are we getting big time by RP3? He, he's eating so many chicken sandwiches, I mean, Chick-fil-A sandwiches with extra pickles that the man is big time in this. Right. And he knows how much I can't stand when, like, a guest doesn't answer the phone for their interview that they, they confirm the day before, like, oh, I'm coming on. They don't answer. So he definitely did get, he got the whole entire name, like, full on, middle name and RP3 the suffix. three is big time in this. He is. Man. Boy, he, he may not live this down for a while. Oh, he's not. I hope he listens to his voicemail, too, when that, that I left him. <laughs> this is unbelievable. By the way, next week, speaking of football media days, on Tuesday and Wednesday, we're going to be in New Orleans doing our shows from there, Sunbelt Conference Media Days. Um, RP3 and company, this program, Footnotes and Crunch Time, will all be doing their our, these shows down at New Orleans. At Sunbelt Conference Media Day, football coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. So we will be going to the Big Easy 
And, you know, it's an exciting time for the Sunbelt Conference. I know it's not, you know, <clears throat> the SEC in terms of national popularity with, you know, teen, new schools coming in in the future like Texas and Oklahoma and, you know, talking about races with Alabama and Heisman Trophy winners and all that. But, but the... Sunbelt Conference has has added four schools, and there's going to be just lots of excitement. You know, um, with all the turnover in college athletics, some conferences were kind of left by the wayside. And as we've talked about over and over, the Sunbelt Conference was not one of them. And so I think it's going to kind of be a celebration uh, in 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 addition to a um, looking forward – to a football season and previewing a football season, it's going to largely be a celebration of what is going on in the conference, the success that the conference has had in football, and very much including the Cajuns, as well as previewing what's going to be a very interesting season because of we've talked a lot about all the unknowns on the SEC side, and there of which there are many. There are. <clears throat> quite a few unknowns on the Sunbelt side. You know, you have new schools, you have new head coaches, and so it's um, going to be very interesting to see how all of that uh, pans out and plays out, and uh, I would think over the next two seasons there are going to be some new rivalries. I mean, you know, no Cajun fans even even thought had any thoughts about Coastal Carolina when they came into the league. They be, they came to Cajun Field and beat the Cajuns in Coach Napier's first year, but you know there still wasn't no rivalry there. They were just some team that had kind of flashy looking colors. And then the second year, the Cajuns went there and um, just crushed them played arguably the best game they've played uh, execution-wise of of the Billy Napier era, and there was still no rivalry. And then came the pandemic season where it became a very vicious rivalry. All right, so we have with us the big-timer, Raymond, who uh, hopefully his excuse was he was chomping – on a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Food I will accept as an excuse. What was the real reason? Well, actually, I'm standing right outside of the Chick-fil-A that is connected to the College Football Hall of Fame. So the likelihood of me using a gift card that I got my hands on this morning for a free sandwich and you using that this afternoon before jumping on the phone with you, my friend, is very, 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 very likely. All right. Well, that, 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 uh, I, I'm... <laughs> When it comes with food, I mean, that's like your get-out-of-jail-free card here on, on that deal, the, the, the food thing. So, um, I heard your conversation earlier uh, with Chrissy, and and my first question to you is, are you sold? Because I, I wasn't really con- strongly considering Mississippi State, but she made a pretty good plea that we should be considering Mississippi State as a dark horse candidate to to, to win way more games. Uh, obviously, their schedule is always tough. 
because of where the you know where the division that they play in. But um, did she did she sell you? You know, not only did she sell me, Kevin, but I've talked to a few other people here this week on the air and off the air, and they they kind of. Mississippi State's kind of that sneaky team that everyone says we should be keeping an eye out for. It's the third year of Mike Leach's tenure in Starkville. Uh, it's traditionally when you look at what he did at Texas Tech or what he looked, what he did at Washington State. Year three is usually the year that they jump up, in particular their quarterback play. Um, a lot of people here, we just got the ballots literally five minutes ago to vote on the preseason teams by members of the media. And there's a lot of chatter that Rodgers is the second-best quarterback in the conference. So you know what you're going to get out of Leach. They had some terrible calls go against them last year, in particular in that Memphis game. You know, we look at them and we go, oh, you know, they were a seven-win team, but they could have easily been a nine-win team last year. And this is, I don't know, I just – it feels like they're the sneaky team. I keep hearing things like Arkansas may take a step back because their schedule is absolutely brutal, and we heard from Sam Pittman this morning. But Mississippi State, you know, that could be the team that people aren't paying attention to that could disrupt. Are they going to win the division? No. I think that's Alabama's. I think we're on a collision course between Alabama and Georgia yet again for the SEC championship game right here in Atlanta. That said, Mississippi State could be that team, Kevin, that could disrupt other people's opportunities to get into a good bowl game or to have a high ranking or something like that. You know, remember, Mississippi State beat Texas A&M last year. Okay, so it's not as if they don't know how to beat quality opponents. We're so focused on Bama, so focused on A&M out of the West, and, of course, we're focused on LSU because, you know, we're, you know, the home of LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana, and they have a new coach, and rightfully so, but, the two Mississippi schools, in particular the one that resides in Starkville, people are chattering about here during media days as a team that could be one of those surprise teams, maybe a 9-win, 10-win team after the bowl season. So if LSU kind of progresses a little quicker than you know maybe some people are saying in, in Coach Kelly's first year, Obviously, this will not be as top-heavy a division as it's been at times, but could it be a deeper division than it's been in a while? It sure does feel like it's going to be the the, the deepest it's been in a while because, I mean, you look at this division, where's the weak team? Uh, There isn't one. Ole Miss is coming off a 10-win season. Now, the Rebels have to figure out what to do at quarterback. There's some thought of, the guy that played for them in the spring game may even get benched during the season that they don't quite understand. They quite don't know what they're going to do at quarterback, but Ole Miss is coming off a 10 win season. Brian Kelly knows how to coach. We know that. And Tony Bornhart, Mr. College football himself told me this morning that he feels even with the roster, the way it is currently right now, that this may be the most talent rich team Brian Kelly's had in his coaching career. And it's year one at LSU. So, Mississippi State is supposed to be good in a dangerous team. Ole Miss is coming off the 10-win season. LSU should be probably an 8-win team. Alabama's going to roll right through. Arkansas is coming off a great season. So where's the weak link? Where's the weak team in the West? I mean, the way the schedule could play out, you could have every team in the West be a bowl team. Now, is that going to happen? Eh, probably not. 
and you're going to have a team that's going to have a disappointing season and may be on the outside looking in, so to speak. Who that is, I'm not for sure. You know, LSU, if they can figure out their offensive line and the quarterback play, they could be much better, or they could struggle if they don't figure it out. You know, Arkansas, their schedule is brutal. It is absolutely brutal. It's one of the toughest ones in the conference this year, just based on what we believe preseason expectations are here. So I think I think it's going to be absolutely stacked, and it's going to be the deepest the SEC West has been in a long time. Yes, it's top-heavy. You still have Alabama. Alabama's predicted to win the conference championship and be in the national championship conversation yet again, Kevin. But the rest of the division is going to be an absolute – it's just going to be brutal. These, these teams are just going to beat up on each other, and whoever's left standing is going to find themselves with a winning record and into a bowl game. And the ones that have to deal with the injury bug, which, you know, every season you have to worry about that, those are the ones that could find themselves on a downturn. All right, so what I'm hearing is your early late July or not even real late July prediction to finish last in the SEC West is Arkansas or or no? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I don't know. Look, our Arkansas schedule is tough, but I like Sam Pittman as a coach. And coaching matters. It, it just does. Look, it, good coaches find a way to overcome bad situations, to overcome tough losses, to overcome, you know, play that may be suspect. I like Sam Pittman to do that. Uh, it, you know, for me, the, the big question mark, I just have this feeling. Everyone has Texas A&M penciled in, right? And after the, the controversy of the offseason and everything like that, what's going to happen with them? You know, are they finally going to live up to their potential? They're paying Jimbo all that money and everything like that. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Texas A&M finish last just because of how deep the division is. Now, do I think that's going to happen? No. But, you know, they had terrible news this morning where one of their star wide receivers who was supposed to be coming tomorrow for media days because A&M is closing out SEC media days was arrested last night by campus police for, uh, you know, weapons and gun charges in a DWI. Wow. So, you know, is that kid even going to play? <laughs> yeah, how much is that going to impact? Because A&M's wide receiving core is extremely thin to begin with, and now they just lost one of their best guys who was supposed to come with them to media days for tomorrow. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, early, I could see Arkansas maybe finishing there, Arkansas, LSU. and But, you know, it, it, once again, Health is going to play the huge role. I don't like to make huge predictions uh, of those type of things, figuring out the order, because obviously injuries always play a role. But the West is going to be an absolute just dogfight from start to finish. Man, that's not a huge statement for Dopey's uh, assessment of the character of his football players. To cho- you, only, you only have to choose three out of about 100, and, and, and one of the ones he chose is, not a, is now not coming. That. It's kind of iffy, but anyway, all right. So, yeah, well, well, to be fair, to be fair, Kevin, you know, Jimbo has you know iffy character issues with his players getting back to Florida State as well. So, it's not really a huge surprise. So, was there anything that you heard yesterday uh, that was you know you would call intriguing or unexpected or really raise your eyebrows, or is today's lineup you think going to be better? Well, today's lineup, we've already heard from Sam Pittman, Arkansas head coach. We just wrapped up listening to Kirby Smart, your defending national championship winning coach. 
the afternoon is going to be uh, obviously intriguing because Billy Napier, our our good friend, former Raging Cajun head coach, will be taking the stage as the Florida head man, and then we'll close out with Mark Stoops in Kentucky. The, the, the most outlandish thing, and yesterday we had Nick Saban take the stage. We had Mike Leach, who's always good for some irreverent quotes, talking about Netflix or archaeology or plants or whatever he has on his mind. He's a, he's an interesting cat, as you would say. The biggest thing was the Vanderbilt coach, you know, declaring that he, he sees a future where Vanderbilt, the Commodores, are, you know, a national championship program like the cream of the crop. And, you know, I love the optimism and I love the positivity that you believe that that's what you're going to do. But, you know, his first season, they won two games. So for him to come out on stage yesterday and be like, yeah, you know, I, I have a vision of uh, I see Vanderbilt being uh, one of the premier teams uh, in, in the conference, a national championship, you know, caliber program. That that was the one that made the room go, oh, uh, 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 really? <laughs> you know, I, we get it. You you, you want to pump up your team. You, you want to, you know, be a cheerleader for them and everything like that. And you want to say all the right things. But, you know, just maybe getting Vanderbilt to where it's, I don't know, having a winning record for consecutive years. Let's start there before taking the huge step to, you know, them being in the uh, college football playoff. Uh, and South Carolina, we mentioned a little bit about them on Monday, but, uh, you know, I don't know that the East doesn't look nearly as deep as we were just talking about the West. Did anything that you heard from South Carolina make you think that they could make any noise at all? Well, I think – their success, and look, I think Shane Beamer is the right coach for that job. That's a tough job, right, Kevin? I mean, Lou Holtz struggled to win there consistently. Will Muschamp struggled to win there consistently. Steve Spurrier had a great little run where they won, you know, 10 games a couple of times and, and had some great success. But even towards the end, he struggled to win there consistently. It's a tough place to recruit because you're overshadowed by Clemson plus, you know, Georgia and other schools around you always poach your best talent. So it's a, it's a tough place to, to succeed consistently at South Carolina. I do like Beamer as the head man, but really their, their success, you know, they're banking a lot of money on the Oklahoma transfer, Spencer Rattler, who lost his job at Oklahoma. I mean, remember Spencer Rattler a year ago at this time was on the cover of all the, you know, preseason magazines and, he was the uh, one of the top two, top three Heisman Trophy favorites, and he was going to rewrite the record books, and it was going to be the latest QB under Lincoln Riley to win the Heisman and get drafted high in you know in the NFL draft. Well, none of that happened. You know, Lincoln Riley's at USC, Spencer Rattler was benched, and now he's at South Carolina. How well can he adjust to the SEC? How well can he adjust to not having as many skill position guys around him? at South Carolina as he did at Oklahoma. Now, we can talk about Oklahoma not being built on the defensive side of the football, but the Sooners year in, year out, produce offensive linemen and running backs and wide receivers for days, right, for the NFL. So how is he going to adjust? Is he going to make his teammates better? Is he going to make South Carolina better? How is he going to deal with the adversity of having to bounce back and, tr- and start somewhere anew? That's what intrigues me about South Carolina. I like the coach. I like what he's trying to do there. I just don't know if Spencer Rattler, after you know a fall from grace last year from being Heisman favorite to a guy that's benched and has now transferred out, is he going to be the answer to help take them to that next level? All right, one more question. One of the things that is going to be interesting to me to follow is Coach Napier 
calling plays for a run-first quarterback. I can remember going back to Coach Napier's first year, and I'm a guy that likes the quarterback to 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 not you know to run a little bit and get those cheap easy first downs, and 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 he really fought that the whole time. He was here with Levi, and I remember him answering me more than once, and then I stopped asking the question in press conference. He says, if I want to run the football, I'm going to give it to my running backs, of which we have some very talented ones, not to my quarterback. And so how do you foresee this working from a play-calling standpoint with him with a run-first quarterback? He's going to want to run the football, right? I mean, do I think – he is going to use the the young man nickname AR-15. Is he going to be forced to use him more than he'd like? Yes. Because the problem with Florida is the roster is not where it needs to be as of right now. right? It, 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 when you talk to anyone here at media days, I'm talking about veteran college football experts that cover teams that understand everything about them. They'll tell you, Florida fans have to be patient is what they're asking for. Florida fans have to be patient and let Billy build up the roster again because the talent is not quite where it needs to be. Isn't right that unbelievable? So like We're talking about Florida. I mean, we're talking about Florida. Also, Isn't that unbelievable? Do you say that again, Kev? I said we're talking about Florida. How did they let it get that bad? Well, I mean, bad coaching hires, and and and, and the problem the problem was look it, it, the, the biggest stunner is is Mullen not succeeding at Florida. That's where he was a QB coach. That's where he was OC. That's where he coached Tim Tebow and helped him win a Heisman and learned under Urban Meyer how to run that high powered offense. But you know, last year Dan Mullen says, "Well, I'm not worried about recruiting right now." Well, this is a modern era of college football, Kevin. You have to recruit twenty four seven, three sixty five. Billy Napier understands that. Okay, so the talent they had, but they let, they had some guys transfer out. They had some other guys leave, you know, for the NFL draft. But that roster wasn't nearly as talented as it needs to be to compete with the likes of Georgia and Alabama. And so Dan Mullen just ignored recruiting. He didn't make it a priority. You and I know Billy Napier high on his list of priorities is guess what recruiting. And, and that's how he was able to establish his culture and be able to turn around the Raging Cajuns and have them become winners and conference champions in a hurry. It's going to be a little bit more difficult at Florida because the level of competition that you're having to face is going to be more difficult. But I think he's going to have to use his quarterback more as a runner. And it's also going to be one of those situations where his QB may feel pressured to be like, hey, i got to make a play with my legs. Yeah, you may have called a run play but they're stacking the box, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to you know, audible out in and call a bootleg and try to run out to the sidelines and try to get a, a wide receiver wide open while I'm on the bootleg or just run it to the sidelines. So I think that's going to be interesting to see for Florida is how that develops throughout the season and how much he can get that quarterback to kind of buy into what his system is. But, yeah, they're going to want to run the ball and play defense. That's, you know, that's what Billy likes to do, right? We know that. And, but you know, I think he's going to have to be forced to use his quarterback more as a runner, more than he'd like to uh, or more than he's planning on to, if that makes any sense. All righty. Well, appreciate it. Enjoy the um, – and I say get two of those things. I mean, you know, you might as well um, 
Chick-fil-A up as much as you can because it, 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 it's certainly good. Well, we appreciate your time. Continue to enjoy your time in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, you get a you get a little a, a couple days break, and then we'll be media daying again next week. That's right, buddy. You and me will be road tripping down to New Orleans for Sunbelt Media Day next week. Media oh. days. It's going to be two this year. All buddy. right. Are you ready no, for it's. I, I, I hope I am. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Depends. <laughs> it depends on how kind um, Hannah's Mariners are to my Astros this weekend. We'll see. Oh, how, there it is. Yeah, there we'll is. see how that plays out. All right. Take care. There we go with them curveballs again. Oh man. Get big time by RP3 and now more curveballs. What a day. What an hour this has been. Welcome back to Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Remember, today is the last day to register for Astros Giveaway 3 on Saturday, July the 30th, about a week and a half from now, the Mariners will be playing the Astros at Minute Maid Park. Hopefully the Astros can learn how to field their positions and score some runs in home games by then. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, in order to win tickets to that game, you need to register at the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. Score four, you could win four tickets a tour man at May Park, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday evening. Astro Weekend Getaways, powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to comment on anything that Raymond and I talked about uh, any of these this week from SEC Media Days, I am... Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm ready to buy the Mississippi State talk yet. We'll see how that plays out. But it does kind of make sense that maybe, you know, Ole Miss is headed in the right direction. Still don't trust A&M being a, a, a superpower, uh, a total powerhouse. So we'll see how that goes. But um, injuries, to Raymond's point, typically kind of play that out. And, of course, LSU is the big wild card in that deal. But, yeah, you could see if – if most of those teams fall on the plus side, man, the West could be, very, you know, really, really bound. Again, not as – I don't think it's top-heavy. You know, they've had years where two or three teams were maybe national championship caliber kind of teams in the, at, at the, at the midseason point. I don't see that, but I could see where the bottom could be pretty, you know, pretty good, where, like, like Raymond said, all bowl teams, so we'll see. How that plays out. All right, let us go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Uh, yeah, I mean, not, you know, on the SEC, I, I mean, I, I really don't think it's inconceivable that um, that LSU could be a, a pretty good team this year, depending on how things go with the quarterback situation. And, and you know, I think it's clear-cut Alabama, you know, in, in the West and, and Georgia in the East. But, um, you know, that second-best team in the West, I think, is still – pretty much up for grabs. I do think they're going to have to institute some stricter drug testing policies at Vanderbilt, though. I'm not pretty, I'm not too sure they're headed to be the best program. In the, uh, I'm not I, sure what the coach would. I, 
I don't better. even. I mean, how do you even respond to that? I mean, I, I don't. I, I, I just, I don't even want to. I mean, it's like, what do you even say? I mean, it's just like, okay. look, James Franklin worked miracles over there for a couple of years, believe me. But um, yeah, I mean, they, whatever. But but um, I hope they're having a good time in in, in Atlanta. I have to, probably would be last on my list of places in the U.S. to, to want to go uh, spend a few days, but. Um, Hopefully things are going well. But I want to, I know you talked earlier about it. I didn't get a chance to listen much, so if you already addressed it, I apologize. But And I know this, these will not be the final three choices for, for Sean Payton, if indeed the reports you read are true and he wants to come back to coaching uh, in, in the next year or two. Um, number one, I hope he does, because I want to get something for him. That would be fantastic. Whatever we get is line up, you know, in my opinion. Um and I'm with you. He, I don't care what you want to call it, but he pretty much quit on the team because, you know, it's puzzling to me is that he had the pieces in place to to make another run. It's not like it's not like the cupboard suddenly went bare when Drew Brees retired, you know. Uh, and as you alluded to, I think this could be the best roster in years. But let's assume that those three that he mentioned, or not he mentioned, but this, the writers are speculating – and that would be Dallas, uh, the Chargers, and Miami. They're saying that his, you know, his his two biggest things are warm weather. Well, they all check that box off. Although two of them have beaches, and and one may not. Um, but control of the team, and that's a big issue, in, obviously in, in Dallas. But if if you were him, would you also look at at the division you're in? Um, and who you have to compete against. Because to me, that, then clearly the Cowboys would have the easiest division of those three teams. Yeah, um, well, yeah. Uh, you know, I think some of them have egos. I think San Diego, although that division, it just looks brutal. And, and, and uh, we're going to start a, trying to figure that division out soon here on the show. But it's... um. Boy, I tell you what, I, I I think the Chargers are going to be fine, and so that's not going to be an option. Although you still have a young, unproven, controversial. He made a lot of decisions last year and took a lot of criticism, and um, you know because he goes far on his own twenty a lot and all that silliness. Um, but I think people think that he's one of these rocket scientists, kind of trendy, smarter than you coaches, and I, I, they're so talented. Uh, and unless they just can't get out of their, I can't get out of my own way syndrome, which the Chargers have had forever, it seems like I think they're going to be good enough to where he's not going to lose his job. So, uh, and, and the problem with Miami is it's he's a first year coach. They're going to fire the guy after one yeah. year. That 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 was my contention too. Is like I could see you know if if they would have if he would would have wanted to, you know, quit on the Saints and then when Flores was fired, you know. Uh, go to Miami, but but again, I don't know that. Honestly, if you're Sean Payton and you look at Tua, do you really think that can be your? No, I, I don't. I don't see Miami happening. You know, I, no. I, I I don't I don't I don't see that at all. But and so I, I again, I have no idea. I just think that knowing the power that he wants and has always had in New Orleans. I mean, New Orleans was a perfect scenario for him because. He just he was able to run it, and and he had an owner who 
did the right things, but totally stayed out of the way. I, I just you don't get that everywhere. I I, I, uh, I just don't get it. But anyway, uh, to 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 go be a puppet in Dallas to me it would be silly for him. It did, it just wouldn't make sense. But we'll see. As long as I get the draft choices and the Saints aren't are no longer the Raiders of the NFL and and the Saints stay ha- healthy this year, then we'll be happy. Well, absolutely. I mean, and, and look, I, I don't. Uh, you know, it'd be great if you have five or six openings and they kind of get into a semi little bidding war. You know, maybe uh, the the Saints asking price can be a little higher. But again, to me, whatever you get for him is better than getting nothing once his contract, you know, lapses. And and uh, so I, I, you know, but look, I, I'm with you. I don't know what. Look, don't get me wrong. I love it. Flying under the radar is something I always want to do. But oh, I want to ask you one more question. But but the Saints are going to be better than the national pundits are giving them credit for. My final question for you, Kevin. I'll, I'll hang up. But um, do you think? And and in my mind, I have no doubt that Roger Goodell, one hundred percent, hates Sean Payton and had a vendetta against him because he kind of snubbed his nose at the NFL during the whole Bounty Gate thing. Um, do you think that will follow him to whatever team he goes to? And um, I'll hang up and listen, buddy. Have a good day. All right. Day, thank you. My first answer is yes. And again, that's what we were discussing it yesterday. And I hope the reverse happens for New Orleans, where now the New Orleans will no longer be a pariah in the in the minds of the NFL. But my first answer to that question is yes. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out the show next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 21st, 2002. With the record six races remaining, Michael Schumacher clinches his fifth F1 World Drivers Championship with a victory in the French Grand Prix. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot. want to remind you to join the game clubhouse. At 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, you could win all kind of great prizes, including $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lesser Steakhouse, $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, or a $50 gift certificate to Have Shell Oyster House. But you can't win if you don't join, so join the game clubhouse today. All right, having to do, uh, giving a few more details of that story that, Raymond referred to with the Texas a wide receiver, I think it's Anias Smith, who, according to police, r- police report uh, and probable cause statement, Smith was arrested for DUI after he was stopped for speeding just after 2 a.m. Wednesday. Police then found a roll joint of marijuana and a gun with a full magazine and a round chambered during a search of the car. So, um, you know, a lot of issues there, obviously. And, again, you're talking about a day. I'm sure they were leaving today to go to Atlanta. and uh, and, I don't know. 
let's put it this way. That's Paul Ball. So we'll see how, how that plays out long term. But not a good way to start the season if you are a fan of um, Texas A&M football, that's for sure. All right. Tomorrow the nerves begin. They're back. Doubleheader. Astros, Saints, Astros, Saints, Astros, Yankees. We'll talk about that and much more on tomorrow's program. Y'all have a nice day.